And I'm talking to Adam on FilmWax. Hey everybody, it's Adam Chartoff, your host of FilmWax Radio, a weekly podcast where I interview folks from the spectrum of independent film. I suppose occasionally I do invite other people, but by and large, I have conversations with people who somehow have their hands somewhere on the film industry, as it were. But sometimes I invite in musicians. Or other people. But, you know, I, I have to say that, I guess, as a disclaimer. But uh, anyway, today is uh, Friday, February 5th, 2021, coming live from the Hudson Valley, just 100 miles north of New York City, I might add. This is episode 654. And it, what, what a special episode it is, too, on a personal level. I mean, they're all special to me. If, you've, if you're listening, you've been on my show. That episode that you were on was special, too. Okay. Or if you're going to be on an episode. And, if, and maybe you know you will be on an episode coming up. Or maybe you don't even know yet. But maybe you've made some special film or you, were participa- or you participated in the making of a special film or a short or an episodic or I don't know. Or, or you're just, you know, in the art, and you may end up on my podcast. I mean, if you are an artist on some level and you feel like you have created something special and you want to get your message out, out into the universe, this is a platform for you, potentially. Let's talk. Let's figure it out. Maybe I don't bring everybody on, on that at requests, but I bring on a lot of people. So... I didn't expect to make that little plug or commercial, but there it is, Filmwax Radio. I mean, it is an at its core an advocacy for art, isn't it? I, I don't do this for, for money. Not that I wouldn't, but I don't at the moment anyway. It's out of my uh, love for people that, that make art. Today is a great example of just how everything converges perfectly. Here's what happened. So, Tony Walker... I don't know if you know who he is. You may not. But listen to this episode or watch it, by the way. It's also already on the YouTube channel. So if you're not already subscribed to the Filmwax Radio YouTube channel, do so. We, I call it Filmwax TV. But you can find it at youtube.com slash filmwaxradio. And you can subscribe. And uh, my, my conversation with Tony is there. So what happened here is a Michael Apted, who, of course, is known... For many films, including oh, Coal Miner's Daughter, Grills in the Mist, he did one of the James Bond movies, World is Not Enough, or something like that. And he did a bunch of other feature films. But he's also he 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 also is essentially the creator of the Seven Up series, where every seven years, since a group of these children in the UK were seven years old, he has revisited this group same group of people every seven years for now they're in their 60s. And uh, so there's seven up, and then there was seven meets seven plus seven or something like that. And then, then it became the up series, 14 up, 21, 28, yada, yada. So 
I first became aware of this series, I don't know, it was the 80s, I guess, because the 28 Up came to the United States. It was the first installment that was distributed in the United States, and it came to New York City. And I remember my cousin and I went to see it, and I just was blown away. I saw it at the, uh, well, Tony reminds me which theater was in in New York City, but the theater isn't, I think it was the Bleecker something. It's not there anymore. The theater, but it was a little independent film theater, and I and I had heard about this movie. I guess I don't know, or maybe my cousin brought it to my attention. I'm not. Sure. I don't remember. It was so many years ago. They just had last year or the year before. They had uh, at the end of t- 2019, 63 up. So I'm talking about 28. Ever since then, there's been uh, every seven years there's been, a, and I would go see it. And then you know, like 10 years ago, I started this podcast and. Not long after I started it, Michael Apted came to the United States to promote 56 Up, and I got him on the podcast. You can listen to that episode. I brought on a co-host for that particular episode, but we went to the distributor, the American Distributor's Office, First Run Features, and uh, I heard Tony was actually there somewhere, but I didn't know, and I didn't schedule him in foolishly into this conversation, but but, uh, my co-host, Kristen, and I, we interviewed Michael and he was lovely. And then seven years later, lo and behold, I get the opportunity once again for 63 Up to in- interview Michael Apted. And I do. And then a few weeks ago, Michael Apted died. And I have been kicking around, what can I do other than just repost the two episodes that I have Michael on? What what else can I do? And then it dawned on me that I could reach out to at least one, if not more, of the folks that were in these films. And the natural one that came to mind was Tony because he's so outgoing. He's so supportive of this series. He's a real champion of the Up series. Whereas it seemed very, very clear that Tony was one of the most likely people. And I thought also he would be great because he's so charismatic and outgoing and uh, engaging. So it occurred to me like uh, two weeks ago, something like that. And I sent him a message. I just said, look, I... I want to respect your relationship with Michael Apted. I know you were close to him, and I want to give him a tribute on my podcast because I'm such a huge, huge fan of the Up series and of his, and I, I want to do something for him on the podcast. Within 10 minutes, there was a phone call, and uh, I was on the phone with Tony Walker for an hour, something like that. And we became friends in an instant. And so we set up this uh, conversation. Again, you can watch it if you prefer, or you can listen to it here. But it's, it's, it's very special, and it's a wonderful way to memorialize the great Michael Apted. And in the meantime, I, I made a new friend with Tony Walker. If you want to see, I know all the episodes of the Up series are available on the BritBox streaming service or platform. Uh, you can see it that way. You might find other. I have a box set of all of them on through fifty six, uh, but you know I still have to get sixty three. And then we're, we'll find out how they're going to do seventy up in a couple of years because it's actually coming up faster than you believe. I, I think I think seven seventy up is uh, going to get made somehow. We do talk about it a little bit here in this upcoming conversation you're about to hear. So thank you for listening to that exhaustive exhaustive introduction of mine. Let's go right now to 
my conversation with uh, the wonderful, uh, lovely man, Tony Walker. And we'll have no outro on this episode. So here's Tony Walker from the Up series. Oh, and by the way, I know he'd want me to say this. If you want to uh, cast Tony, he's a great actor. I mean, he's just a great presence. So if you are interested in finding more out more about Tony or interested in contacting him, best way to do it, please go to TonyWalkerTheUpSeries.com or just Google him in that fashion. Here he is, though, here on Film Wax Radio. In 1964, Granada Television brought together a group of seven-year-olds. We have followed their lives every seven years, their dreams, ambitions, and fears for the future. Seven years older, seven years fatter, a bit less hair. You look at me at seven, and you look at me even now at 63. It's flown by, Michael. It's a lifelong achievement to be part of this program. Once you get to your 60s, it all gets a bit, oh, how long have we got now? (laughs) I certainly don't look forward to it every seven years. I suppose as you get a bit older, you've got less to lose. All these things that I've said over the years, yes, it has been worth it. And you better cut it, because otherwise I'm going to cry. moment of pure joy in my life was when my son was handed to me when he was born. There's just no place for regrets in this world. Maybe one regret is probably would have liked more children. There's various things that I can do, they can't do. They can't change the light bulb. <coughs> but I can't get on Netflix. When we started at seven, most women were in the kitchen. Did you meet enough men before you decided who to marry? I thought that was actually an insulting question. You didn't have any idea of the changing role of women. And I want you to go... Rah! Children inherit something from their parents. Nobody wants to confess that they suffer mental ill health. I'm sitting here talking to you now. I'm squirming. (laughs) I want my life to have meant something. The sooner you understand who you are, the sooner you understand what you can do. (laughs) It's taken me virtually 60 years to understand who I am. I'm still the same little kid, really. Probably all of us are. Still plenty to do. It's not all over yet. Hello, sir. Yeah, Ronan. How are you? Pleasure to talk to you. Same. Let me close the door. Very, ex- Very exciting. <laughs> Hello, everybody. <laughs> How nice to meet you. Uh, vice versa. Uh, how is it in New York? Good? Yeah, not bad. We're having a snowstorm. I don't know if you could see out there. Probably not. It's too much light. We had one on Sunday, and um, I went for a walk. We had one on Sunday. It was like a picture postcard. And uh, my granddaughter, who lives with us, we went to the forest area, and she took a lovely photo. It was a beautiful setting, beautiful. Do you get much snow? Yes, there was a lot of snow on Sunday and the weekend, and... Up north, it was uh, even worse. But um, down south here, it was quite terrific. Beautiful it was. It was yeah. like a Christmas day. I've always come in the, I guess most of the time I've come in the summer, in my various trips to the UK, and I've been all over. Okay. One of my favorite spots was the uh, the Lake District. I've never been to the Lake District. I, um, it's amazing. I'm embarrassed to say. No, I, I understand all this, but... Um, it's funny. It seems like being a London cabbie, I passed Buckingham Palace and the Tower of London 
a hundred times a day. And it's yeah. like a merry-go. I've never got off the merry-go-round to actually go in and see it myself. Understood. And it's madness. And, uh, yeah. you know. Meanwhile, we should tell people you've been to New York. When I went to New York, I, I went to Battery Park. I went to Statue of Liberty. I went up to the Empire State. I see the Chrysler building. There I say it. There I say it. Trump Tower. And I had a ball up there, you know. And uh, let's not forget Carnegie's Deli, which was I was one of the most favorite patrons there. With pastrami sandwich in there. Oh, right the there. overstuffed. They call them overstuffed sandwiches. You did, did, you, did you make it to Katz's Deli? No, I never went there. Good. Um, next Carnegie's next, was my favorite. Next, Okay, next trip, though. Do you remember <laughs> in Rob Reiner's movie When Harry Met Sally with Billy Crystal yeah. and Meg Ryan? And they sit down and they have sandwiches. And she pretends to have an orgasm. Oh, <laughs> A woman at the next table says, when the waiter comes, she goes, I'll have what she's having. Yeah, I love it. But, um, that, takes place at Katz's, that takes place at Katz's. In, yeah, in... I, and another beautiful restaurant, I went to Frankie and Johnny's. Okay. Like a steakhouse. You know where I'm on about? I remember that one, yeah. But the best thing I've done there, I've done a James Dean tribute. I went all around these old haunts where we uh, act in the actor studio. And from there, I went to West 68th Street, up these apartments. And oh, wow. the guy who owns it, uh, a lovely a gentleman, uh, I knocked on the door and I went up these sort of like a, 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 a stairway. Spiral stairway. And ran to the top of the apartment. And I was actually in James Dean's apartment where, when in the 50s, is where he lived. And it was like a karma sort of come over me. And... and um, he said, come here, I'll show you something. And I went into the bathroom, and there was this sink. It was still there after about 100 years. And I washed my hand in the sink where James Dean washed. But it got better. When I went back home five years later, he modernized the bathroom. And he sent the sink of James Dean's flat or that apartment to Indiana to be put into the James Dean Museum. Is that Which right? Now. Yeah, and the, the best thing, the James Dean family sent him back an original James Dean T-shirt. But, uh, it had Quakers, Fairman Quaker. And um, this guy, he said, you can try it on. And I tried it on, and I've, you know, I've got James Dean's T-shirt on. And I tell you, it was like, um, well, I don't know, it was like a vision, you know, and well, and who was the guy that was arranging all this? And whose apartment was it? It was who was living there? Uh, the... I've got is that Russell, Russell, okay. Morrison, or Russell? How did you meet him? How did you meet him? I just went up to the. I, I looked up. All, I read all about James Dean. I'm a, I'm an authority on James Dean. You're I fanatic, know silly fanatic. And um, I looked it all up, and there it was, West Sixty Eighth Street. I was number 19. I, I looked at the block. I found the block. I went in. Uh, hello. I said, I'm Tony from London. He said, eh, press the buzzer. I went up the stairs and there it was. And it had the round porthole windows exactly how the film portrays it and all the pictures of the 50s, you know, of James Dean's. It was for me, it was fantastic. And there was a, one thing I'll never ever forget, but it was fantastic. Loved it. Wow. Who would have thought that that was your guy, huh? 
Yeah, but it, uh, no, no, I'm listen up. Well, you were like me, a rebel without a clue. Rebel without a clue. Do you know something? You might think I'm mad. I'm not mad, but um, I know you know. I'm, I'm an obsessive. Once I get a sort of thing in my head, it becomes an obsession. John F. Kennedy is the same. You know, I recite all his speeches, and I can recite in my head now his inauguration speech of 1961, January the 20th. And I can recite every word of it. Even now, if I recite it, I could go on and on. But <clears throat> it sounds yeah, so I, All I know is ask not what you what your country can do for no, you, but, no. rather, but rather what you can do for your country. Yeah, no. <clears throat> That's all I know. Great quotations are, it's not a thorn in the flesh, but a dagger in the heart. That's we stand today on the edge of a new frontier. That I could go on. I'll do a little bit of that. Amazing. Obviously, no, but... Um, well, yeah, and then, you know, he was, I was born two months before he was assassinated. So I, I was a Kennedy baby. I, I'm very proud that I was born just two months before Lyndon Johnson took uh, the White House. This story I'm going to tell you, you won't believe me, but it's true. And I will tell you, yeah, I, I, I do believe and I've got my, well, my I believe you. I drove along by, um, Claridge's Hotel, and a hand goes up and hailing me down in my taxi cab. Who gets in was a guy and his wife. Take me to uh, the, the Hilton or somewhere important. He was going through a big bash, a big do. I said, jump in. And he starts talking like that. And, uh, you know, I said, are you from Boston? He said, yes. I said, oh, I said, my hero was from there, Boston, Massachusetts. He said, JFK. I said, JFK. He said, well, I'm Sergeant Shriver's son. Oh, my gosh. Maria's brother? My mother's brother. Maria's brother. Arnold's brother-in-law. Yeah. So I says to him, you're joking, because he had the square chin, the chiseled chin, you know. And he spoke in a very Bostonian accent, that type of thing. And I picked up, I picked my ear, picked up on it. And there we were. And I recited some of the speech to him. He was very good, very gracious, very thankful. His wife shook my hand and um, he says to me, because I wanted to go to Iana's port one day, that would be a, 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 a buzz for me yeah, if I course. went there. I understand. Just to get a feel. Like, sure, like, yeah. These are your heroes. And yeah. that puts on a coat and they sort of feel the characteristics. That's exactly how I felt doing that to him. And it was a fantastic moment which i cherished um what was the name of the street that the kennedys lived on in the boston area do you remember no i don't know that okay i believe it because i lived in brookline for a couple of years i lived in boston back in the 1980s and um i believe it was beale 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 street Beale. I, there's another famous Beale Street that's the main drag in Memphis, but that's, that's this is, I believe, in Brookline that the Kennedys may have lived there. We'll have to check check that out. But Because I remember living just around the, like a block away, and I heard that that was the street, but my memory could be playing tricks on me. But but I know it sounds silly. When I was a kid of eight years old in 63, he got assassinated, and uh, on the Monday morning going back into school, it was uh, primary, like your first grade, you would call it. And um, I was only eight years old, and it's very vivid in my memory. But a month afterwards, 
is when Michael Acted came to our classroom and chose the ch kids from the film, you know, from my part of the woods, right. to represent the East End, because I'm an East End boy from Bethnal Green. And uh, then the cameras came, and from there, they filmed us all uh, at a party in a adventure playground in the movie house, because right. it was uh, Saturday morning pictures then. We call it pictures, you call it movies. But every, every Saturday morning, we had Saturday morning pictures where the kids used to go for a dime. I'm going to have American uh, slogans right. here. Because and a couple of pennies. Pennies, well, in, pennies in yeah, pennies. No, but in, your, in, in, in uh, London, or rather in England, you'd, you'd say for a couple of uh, pence. A couple of quid. Quid, of course. No, a quid. A quid is a pound, a buck. In your oh, okay, well, that's too much so, then. Right. So if I start giving you some a slang, because we have Cockney rhyming slang. I know. Right? Yeah. yeah. So if I go... Um, yeah. If I go uh, a front... No, I won't say that one. But You can squid, say anything. Don't worry about no, it. No, I won't. If I say a squid, it means a quid. I got you. You know? Yep. And I've heard about, I mean, I've heard about Cockney on. I've heard about cocky oh. slang, and I've heard people explain it. So I, I was, I'm, I'm familiar, but I couldn't do it. But I, I'm familiar with it. Yeah. Well, I'm Italian nicknames and stuff like that. Yeah. I am a cockney, so if I start at the top, is your barnet fair? Your boat races your face. Your mitts buys your eyes. Your farmer's oses your nose. Your dicky dirt is your shirt. Your round the houses are your trousers. Your four by twos are your shoes, and your tomfoolery is your jewelry. It's it fantastic. can go on and on and on, but I mean, yeah, it's fantastic. It's what a good. Great, what a great. So you're an American American file. You're a I don't know what the proper term. Like here we have Anglophile for you, like someone like me who loves the UK. But you have the, am, you have the exact opposite. Where you? I'm a, I, I am a proud. America. I'm a proud Cockney. And a Cockney is a person born in the sound of Bow Bells. Marily Bow Church in Cheapside, where once they ring them bells, providing you're in a hospital nearby or anywhere in that area, providing you can hear them, you are just, you know, known as a cockney. Oh, very What's the name of the bells? Bow Bells. Okay. Bow. B-O-W. Got you. Got you. Wow, that's interesting. I didn't know that. I'm yeah, I yeah. love this. I'm, it's, it's like a master class from Tony Walker. Well, I mean, I am an original without being conceited. I mean, you know, a, a proper New Yorker, you know, make a wife on the next block, you know, one of them. They know everything about their own neighborhood. That's me. They know That's everyone who lives there. And, sure. you know, it's no less than the same. It's reciprocated this side of the world. Yeah, but, you know, somebody like you probably te can teach a lot of New Yorkers more of their history than they know. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's fun, as, as I alluded to earlier. It's, it is like a merry-go-round. I'll go see the sights in New York, and I'll take for granted the sights in London that I've never been. Does that make sense? I mean, yeah. sure, sure. you know, I'm, it's one of them things. So American history, I like the, the Kennedy administration from the beginning to the his end of term, you know, since he, he got killed, and all that I like. I like the civil rights. I love the Bay of Peaks. I love the Cuban Missile Crisis and all what he achieved, you know, with Martin Luther King 
you know, for the civil rights movement at that particular time. For me, you know, to read back of that history, it's a fantastic read, you know? You feel like, Tony, do you feel like if Michael hadn't chosen you or if that you had not been in the Up Series project, that you would still have ended up with the same uh, obsessions and the same curiosity? Would you have been the same person? Exactly. A carbon copy. You could get my character in a mold and put it down to one side, whether Michael was there or not, and mold it and come back to me now, it would have been the same mold as I would be then. The same. Because it's nature and nurture. You sort of born with what you've got. I took after my mum and the characteristics, the environment where I brought up, all the boys and the girls, all the same. There was poverty. There was, a, um, you know, no work. My father was absent. He was in prison most of the time. He was like a flim-flam man, you know, playing the three-card trick. My mum was always in the pub, and I was left for my own devices, that doesn't mean that I don't love my mum and dad. I didn't mean it in that respect. I understand. It was an, it, I had a freedom that it was an education. By the time I was four or five, I had a job working in a fruit shop, you know, trying to help, you know, stack the shelves and things like that. I was no bigger than three foot six. And they used to pay me about 5p, which is a dime or a quarter, you know, whatever it the same sort of monetary is and uh, it was a grinding for me and when the fun fair came in the local park I was nine or ten or seven and I used to go over there with about four of us everyone was the same mm-hmm. we just had adventure but you couldn't do it now because of the um the politically correctness or the, the environment you know you yeah, labor laws etc sure yeah but health and safety one I guess you know the 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 that I don't know if it was arrived at just through arbitrary you know circumstances, but the seven years was maybe enough in between each episode of the series might have been the right amount because it was if it was too close together, you would never well, really be able to extract your life would have always been tied too closely to the no, series the production I, I understand, but you must understand the social change. When it first started, you had fashion, you had Mary Quant, you had Twiggy, the music, you had the Beatles, you had the Rolling Stones, politics, you had the Perfumo scandal, you had Swinging yeah, and, and that was that. Now, seven years on, we joined the common market. And then from there, you know, things happened. Then you had um, the Queen's Jubilee in 77. So it went on and on and on. Then families are brought in. And then once the families are brought in and then you see the, the spouses and everyone, it becomes like, um, not a series, but, you know, it's, oh, you know, I wonder how they're getting on. And when you see how old the kids are in the next one, you think, oh, I remember that kid. In the, not me, I'm talking about, the, you know, the subject's children. And, and you remember it. And you see the change in them. I mean, you know. Right. It seems to have caught the imagination of the old world and um, yeah. through Michael's acted uh, talents, uh, loyalty to all the subjects and the trust that he put into the programme, it's a testament to what he'd done. He's the only man in the whole wide world. 
who ever done anything and achieved this longevity in a documentary film. And um, he gave his whole life to it, even before feature films. I mean, if you look at Coal Miner's Daughter, he championed women's causes a lot. Coal Miner's Daughter with uh, um, Sissy Spack. You had Nell with uh, Jodie Foster. Diane Fossey and Willis in the Mist with Sigourney Weaver. That's right. Champion women all the time. Right. Then he went on from an elevator film, The World Is Not Enough, with um, Piers Brosnan and James Bond. Then you had Narnia, the franchise of Narnia. He was director there. Okay. And um, he's been going in his first reach since 1970 on the Triple Echo with Glenda Jackson and Oliver Reed, which was his first one. Right. And from it's now 220, so that's 50 years in, in cinema, you know, history. And he was at the front with the beginning of it all. He was a troubleshooter. He was like the first one. I could honestly say I only wish he got more recognition than he did. Then he became... Oh, you feel... He became um, a director of the Hollywood Directors Guild, chairman. He achieved so much. For three years, he was on the, the chairmanship of the Hollywood Directors Guild. And, you know, it's a testament to Michael's talents, his trust, his loyalty sure. to, to everyone. And there's not one person I would know about Michael who had, had anything bad to say about him. He was my inspiration to me, and I get very emotional now since he's passing 10 yeah. days ago or so. But well, that's why, say, and that's why I feel particularly grateful to you to be open to meeting me who you 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 know i'm a stranger i know we talked on the phone uh the other night but uh you know to open up and to 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 share your memories and and uh your feelings about him it thank you for that because uh you know he you know you i know how much you understand i'm not a full-blown actor like piers brosman or uh, gene hackman or hugh grant all these people who he's worked for, Tommy Lee Jones, ask any of them A-listers. Tell me about Michael Apted, Dustin Hoffman. They would only tell you what a gentleman the man was and what a talent he was and how appreciative he had more of you than you had of him being to you, reciprocate. I love the man. And uh, a shining light went out in Hollywood last week. And... Uh, it yeah. had to do with Michael's passing. God bless him. Well, we talked about a little bit about what you, you know, the last installment was 63. And I knew that, you know, he's an older guy. I had heard some talk that maybe he wasn't well, but I didn't know how unwell. Because I met him toward the end of 2019. Well, I met him actually in 2000, I guess in 12. But then I saw more most recently in 2000. 2019, the fall, when 63 Up came to uh, the States. And, you know, I sat with him. And by the way, I just got the photos because the publicist never said he took some photos of, of Michael and I. And I at the time I was asking for them. He never sent them. And then when Michael died, I, I and I knew I was going to talk to you. I, I, I asked him again. I thought, let me see if he's can find them maybe to delete them and sure enough he he sent me all these photos there were a lot more than i remember i'll, I'll show them to you later but oh. um i was hoping that he would make it to 70 you know that was my hope that he would 70 well, seemed like like the right number to go out yeah. and you know 
Um, and I was rooting for him to be able to make it. And, you know, I mean, 70 Up will still have to get made, but by others. It does have a good ring to it. But um, all's not lost. You just don't know what happens to powers that be. And um, we've got a young lady, Claire Lewis, who uh, has been there for nearly 40 years. You must understand it's the same production team. They've been there now for nearly 40 years together. You've got the cameraman, George Jesse Turner, who has done groundbreaking documentaries. That's it. All right. You've got Nick Steer, the sound man. You've got Kim Horton, the editor. And you've got Claire Lewis, who's now what I would consider carrying the torch okay. for, for the Up series to be concluded. Because it does have a good ring to it, 7 to 70. And uh, a round figure of 10, you know, that probably yeah. would be the final one. But it's a testament to Michael. And uh, I'd just like to add, um, on Thursday evening, they're going to rerun all the old series on the TV of 63 Up. Right. And um, they've found three-week slots. So it's one, two, three on three weeks. One hour each week. Well, but, um, I hope that we do a big. I I would think that the that at some point soon, that we're going to do something huge here in the United States because I believe that you know there's an enormous amount of love and respect for Michael for what he accomplished with that series. They should show the entire series at Lincoln Center. Well, apparently it's on Blu-ray. That's what I've been told. And they should fly Tony Walker out and a few of the other cast members. I would listen. I would you should fly you camp. out. I've been to the Lincoln Memorial a couple of times to talk well, about This is it. not I've the memorial. This is Lincoln Center, where, you know, the, 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 yeah. the center for a real, all the arts. I well, mean, I, well I went huge. there. With, I went, I was on the stage there with Michael about uh, 14 years or seven years ago promoting it there. And uh, also I went to California with um, a lovely invitation from Simon McMurray, who does all the um, oh, I know. documentary out sure. in California. And it, Kilmurray. Kilmurray. He's, he's a good friend of mine. He's a good friend. Gentleman, an yeah. absolute gentleman. He ran POV and, uh, for many years. He was like the hands on. I mean, well, he was that, POV, and, um, our series. That yeah. gentleman, he invited me out to California with my family to promote the show with uh, Michael right. on stage on the Beverly Hilton Hotel, which was quite good. But I must tell you the best story that I've got was last year before the 23rd of March before it all went down with this Corona-19, Michael was itching to get back to California. And he only had a little amount of time to get a flight to go back. Oh, right. And um, he had an award ceremony, which he could not attend. And where the Corona was just about to be, you know, we're going to get the rules to sort of don't go or can we go. There was about a, a, a three or four day window where you can go. And in the three or four day window, there was this award. So Michael phoned up Claire Lewis, the producer, who said she can't make it. Michael said, get Tony to go and get it for me and let him. I'm getting emotional now. But I accepted the award on Michael's behalf and I got very emotional. But um, I've still got his award now. It's in my bedroom. And I'm waiting for the right time to give it to one of his family members where it should go and well-deserved. And um, for him to ask me inadvertently was one of my proudest days. Because, listen, at the end of the day, 
I'm just a lamb and cabbie trying to climb my way up in the acting world, which, you know, it's a very difficult thing. And it's not a pun to get on or anything like that. I'm just giving you an example of my character. But to be asked to do that, it was quite emotional for me. And most of all, I felt so proud getting on the stage and accepting the award and giving the speech to what he told me to recite, which I will take to my grave. Yeah. I really felt proud. Well, what a sign of trust. Oh, you cannot believe it. I mean, it's not only the trust. You must understand there's 14 subjects on the, the Up series. That's without the spouses' names now, who have been sort of introduced over the course of the years. Not only does he know the names of all the subjects and the spouses and the wives, right? He knows all the children's names. As plus, he knows all the grandchildren's names, in my case. Now, for a man who would not, not care, no man would do that over a 50-year longevity of a documentary. The man put his heart and soul in that project, and it's a testament to all the families of the trust that Michael, that we had in Michael. And uh, I'd ring the bell for his praises every time. He meant the world to me, Michael. And um, sadly, we won't see his like again, because the times of the times he was in the 60s, we are now in uh, two, 2021. It's nearly, it's 50, 50 odd years of history there. And if you look back in the history of 50 years, so much has gone on, you know. So much has gone on in one year, a little over 50. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I won't, I'm not going to mention anything what's going on in America because it's too sensitive. No, it's not. No, no, we're feeling, we're feeling less sensitive. I just read actually yesterday that Kenneth Bragg, who was on my podcast, yes, you're, is going to play Bojo. Can I call him Bojo? Well, I picked I pick Boris Johnson up. Did Before you? He, when he was mayor of London about eight years ago, he came out of Downing Street wearing a big, um, uh, like a hood. And all I see is a bit of flickering of uh, right. the, the, the hair. And the Thank hair you. went up. He said, could you take me to the Ritz, please? I said, oh, I said, Boris, how are you? Well, the cab drivers at that time, we had a very adversity going on with him and he got into the right cab with me because we've had certain demonstrations and whatever all down to his uh, decisions what he's made on the cab trade at that beginning he helped to get uber's license at that particular time and he rang the bell for uber with cameron and uh, osborne the home secretary at the time no the, yeah the home secretary yeah and uh, cameron was prime minister so between the three of them they sort of implemented the Uber license, and I was sort of very objective to him. Sure. He still owes he still owes me eighty pence. Right. Oh yes, I remember you mentioned. And that's a true story. He owes me eighty p. Only, yeah. Uh, yeah. Not, I'm sure any uh, average person would never, you know, get away with such a thing. But but the prime minister. Of course. But it's true. You cannot believe when you drive. I've been driving 43 years. I've got so many lovely stories concerning Michael. When I first came to New York 25 years ago, 
my wife gave me it as a birthday present because I always wanted to go to New York. And I'm walking along down Madison Avenue one day and Michael Apted just directed Dustin Hoffman in Agatha. Oh, okay. I was, I was trying to remember. And Dustin Hoffman was walking towards me about 100 yards and I'm walking towards him. Now that the yardage is getting 20, 30, you know, getting less and less. He comes right up to my elbow and I shot my hand. I said, Mr. Hoffman. And he looked and I grabbed his hand. I said, um, um, yes. I said, Michael Acton was a good friend of mine. Uh, he's just directed you in Agatha. That was the first words. He said, I'm going to lunch now. I said, but Dustin, I said, he said but I want to talk to you. He goes, I'm walking here. No, he said, I'm going to lunch now. I said, please, listen, just, just let me have a photo. And I got a photo on my phone. And, uh, I have his, yeah, go ahead. Go on, you first. I was just going to say, I have, I met him a minute when I was a kid, and I have his, his signature, his autograph. But Fantastic. No, no photo. But it, but it goes on from there because. But his son was on my podcast. Jake Hoffman did my podcast. Well, I cannot believe it. It was a connection. And yep. also, I picked Sigourney Weaver up from the theater. Another, we were, another connection, we were, right? And she was very. Um, Invisible with all that. She was trying to be incognito. Yeah, she was traveling incognito. Yeah. I said, Sigourney, pleasure to meet you. Welcome to London. Well, she couldn't believe it. She said, Oh, I thought you wouldn't have recognized me. I said, Well, I said, Well, me and you have got a lot in common. You don't know it. And she stood back (laughs) and she never knew. And I says, "Um, Michael Acton directed you in Grillers in the Mist. That's right. He had me in Seven Up. Well, you, you would think. The, the old shroud came off and everything, and she invited me into um, Cabbages with her and her partner. Wow. And we had a five, ten-minute chat. You look like Kenneth Branagh, by the way. You don't look unlike him. Like who? Kenneth Branagh. You look like Oh, him. yeah, yeah. Well, I get that. I, I get that. I have to send you also a photo of me and Kenneth uh, because... I, w- I was especially one of my uh, exes in the line of exes that I have that what she kept telling me she was watching that series uh on uh netflix you know the this the the uh, scandinavian series where he plays a you know a detective you know what i'm talking about i'm trying to remember i the haven't name. seen it oh uh, well the last time I on, you first no agent she's kept saying you know did anybody tell you a lot of people had i mean i i gained like 10 20 pounds being in co- uh quarantine but that you know i would get it all the time you look like kenneth did anybody ever tell you i said yes yes i get so when i met him and i you should listen to the episode because he he it's thought the that highlight was, as well your eyes yeah i know no no i know there is a uh, a little bit of a resemblance last year i went to see kenneth brown in the entertainer right wow. at the, in Charing cross there sure in the, the windows i think um one of the greatest actors of today, without question. The man is a genius, another yeah. genius. Yeah, now he's going to play actor. Boris Johnson. He's going to play Boris Johnson. Let's he's going to play Boris Branner. Johnson. Let's hope if I meet Granner and he's dressed up as Boris Johnson, he pays me the ADP. He owes me. <laughs> so is is uh, is Boris Johnson then, I guess, the most famous person who you ever... Uh, Drove? I mean, no, no, no. Here we go. You want to know I've had in my cab? 
43 years worth of driving, yeah? I'm sure this, in, in, in London, let's tell people, so you're in one of the capitals of the world. Uh, Johnny Depp, Telly Savalas twice. Telly Savalas. Twice. Arthur Hash, twice. tennis player. Yeah. Who? Telly Savalas. Telly Savalas twice. Right. Yeah. That's in the good. early 80s. Arthur Ash, the tennis player. Oh, of course. Sure. He, he gave me two sentences tickets for Wimbledon, Arthur Ash. I went on my own. I, I sold one to a scalper, and I went in there. And, <laughs> and that's a true story. Uh, Johnny Depp I picked up three years ago. Johnny Depp. Yeah. Uh, right. Um, Shirley MacLaine. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's the... Who's in the film um, Wimbledon? Who's in the film Wimbledon? Uh, Johansson. Scarlett Johansson? Oh, Scarlett Johansson, sure. Right. You, you yeah. won't believe these. I've had was that during Match, when she shot Match, or one of those yeah. Leon movies? Woody Allen. That's it. Woody Allen directed. Yeah. And um, I could go on, but um, let's not forget um, Buzz Aldrin, the spaceman. Wow. And um, I've got the story to prove it, to say... Um, when he was going to Winfield Ass, I think Obama was at the time, mm-hmm. he was going from the Grosvenor House with his um, minder or protector to meet the president. And as I drove out the forecourt, I heard a word say, get his autograph. And I turned to Buzz Aldrin. I said, Mr. Aldrin, can I have your autograph, please? And the cab driver said, no, 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 I don't want his autograph. I want your autograph. My wife loves you. And that's what she, she said. That's a true story. I believe I'm it. Not, well, I was, that's what I'm I was going to say. I'm not these stories. But these I know. Are well, I was going to say, I, 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 I don't think you, I don't know if, you, if you're aware of just like what you uh, mean to so many people who have been watching those, like myself, when I say people, I mean me, like, you know, who have been watching Michael's films all these years. And you know that the first one, the first installment that came to the States was 28 Up. That was in Bleecker um, Street. That's right. The Bleecker Street yeah. Cinema, which isn't there anymore. Don't look for it. <laughs> yeah. um, and But I went with my cousin. I remember the whole, I remember the going there just being blown away. I'm like, wow, what, you know, never heard of this series. I, I must have read about it. And it was, you know, there was so much great stuff coming from England we would get in New York, you know, just that's how that's how I, you know, discovered Stephen Frears and Mike Lee. And, you know, I'm just talking about contemporaries, you know, I I mean, the, you know, England has some of the greatest filmmakers of all time. But just in terms of when I, what? Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie, more contemporary, even more contemporary. Alan Parker. Uh, Alan Parker, of course. There's, there's. I mean, you can go on and on. There's, there's, but, um, but at this particular time, these films were just starting to come in, like Stephen Frears' films. You know, his early, you know, some of his early films, and we were starting to get, and uh, you know, my beautiful laundrette, and uh, when uh, Sam was Sammy Rosie get laid or whatever it was, I forget all these films that were coming in. And uh, so, and then amongst that whole time, we we got in this documentary, 28 Up. So I went to see it, you know, and just was like blown away. So ever since then, I've seen every installment. For years, I just go to the films to see them in the theaters. But I think probably the last couple I saw. Uh, well, well, it has caught the imagination of the whole world. 
from New Zealand, Australia, Asia, all the way around to America, Canada, uh-huh. to all the countries. And often, I often go to students, to a college or to a school, and I get up and talk about the program and try to give them some uh, inspiration to yeah. say, you know, not that I've done anything better than anyone else, far from it. But just to let them know that rather than be go on the, the wrong road, always go to the education, love your mum and dad, try and get a job, be the right sort of good citizen and try to inspire yourself to inspire others. And from there, just to give them a little bit of inspiration that I do tell them and they see me and they talk to me and I've had many letters saying, Tony, you, you know, you was a kid and you really liked the opportunity that you had and I'll try to follow in your footsteps. There's a woman in Ireland and there's a woman who I speak to one of my fans and she's the fan who wants me fan now. I'm a cabbie for God's sake, yeah? Well, you're also she a... named She named her son Tony after me. <laughs> And he named his son Tony after me, and that's now her grandson. Can you believe that one? That's amazing. And it goes on from there. Right. And um, well, I like the attention. I don't doubt that. And I won't, you know, shy away from that. And you've but been a great ambassador. That's what I love to be. I would love to carry the torch for the program, which I do. I am very passionate about the program. I'm in a very, very unique position, being only chosen from 14 people in the whole wide world to be part of the longevity of 50-odd years. It's now 56 years. Yeah. But they have done a seven-up in Russia. They've done one in um, um, Australia. They, Michael always used to say he should have done one in South Africa or one in Northern Ireland because, you know, with the situations, what was happening back then, it would have really caught the imagination of the world. But um, this is the first, and we're so many years now in front of any other documentation and document that we are the, the forefront. That, um, yeah, I mean, you can catch, how many times can you catch lightning in a bottle? You know, I mean, it's, the, I mean, we tried to hear too, as you know, and it just didn't, didn't catch on. Well, Roger Ebert, God bless him, when he was being interviewed with Michael, well, he was interviewing Michael, I should say. He always says to Michael, the Up series was one of my test 10 best films of all time. It's on here. Oh, is that what he says there? It says, it says it right on, it says it right here. It says, on my list of the 10 greatest films of all time, Roger Ebert. Right. So what can't speak can't lie. And uh, Roger Ebert, you can't, you can't find me exactly. Oh, that? Yeah. yeah, that's when I had a little bit of a... doesn't even look like you. you. It looks like a, like a young Rod Steiger or somebody. That doesn't look like you. You know, and that, I'll just watch the In the Heat of the Night with Rod Steiger. And, uh, I love that movie. Body, uh, what a film. Isn't what that one of the film. best? You know who I've talked to? Do you know who I talked who? to? They, uh, I, I'd rather Lee Grant. Lee Grant. Now, going back to Lee Grant, I mean, know her history. Did she not go from, was it the McCarthy period with the communism? That's right. That's right. Yes. Yes. As a matter of fact, uh, let me just show you this, Tony. Uh, Since it's right by my... 
And well, let me see. Lee Grant, I saw him in a Colombo recently. Are oh, you lucky devil? Well, she did my she show. Must a, she must be about 85 now. No, no. Lower? In her 90s. No. Yeah. She was the one of the most beautifulest girls I've ever seen. She was. When, Shampoo. In the heat of the night, when she played um, the, 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 the widow in there, the one who got killed. Uh, and don't forget, um, she was in Colombo, uh, I see her in there. Oh, but sure. then um, she also got... Um, well, she was in Shampoo uh, with Warren Beatty. Uh, well, <laughs> that's correct. But what a beautiful woman. What a beautiful she was. woman. And she was beautiful when I sat across the table from her about two years ago, if that. I don't even think it was that long ago. And she walked into the room like a 25-year-old woman. I'm not kidding. I don't know how she did it. She's in such good shape. Do you ever see her now? Well, I saw her one more time. Um, They were showing, you know, she she actually directed a bunch of documentaries, too. Marvelous. Will you give her about? And they showed them at a cinema down in New York last year. And I must have been just weeks or months before this all happened, maybe a little bit before that, but not much. And um, she was there. So I got to see her again. So t- on two occasions, um, you know, I, I know her like people that are close to her. So I have, uh, and you know, you do what I do long enough and you just, you know, you just like, you pick up the phone kind of thing, you know, or you write them. And most of the time you hear back. Uh, I have the track record now where, you know, I can, uh, people take me seriously, you know, uh, and they can see work I've done. They can check it out. And then they're like, oh, this guy, he really gets into real conversations. It's not superficial. He yeah, actually does his homework. This, this, you know, it's, this, this is certainly not superficial and uh, nothing's planned or nothing. It would be I'm, fun I'm to just not be superficial you. with you too, but <laughs> we would no, have fun. But you know, it, have a couple of points. Listen, the way I've always seen interviews, the mendacity of certain uh, interviewees, you can see right through it, you know, because when a celebrity goes on, I don't want you to talk about this, I don't want to talk about that, you know, and they keep scrubbing off what they want and whatever the, uh, you know, things they're going to say. But I say to myself, listen, if you're going to be an actor, you're up there to be candid, you put yourself out there, you've got to take the gruff with the smooth, you know? Nobody's perfect, and I've yet to find a person who is. Well, oh, one asked- person, one person. To me, that was my mother. Oh. That was, um. she was perfect. <laughs> she was perfect. Mine too. Well, I just asked Lee, I, you know, because we got very close, very, t- very intense. And I said, look, you know, do you forgive Elias? Eli- uh, do you forget, uh, you know, Ilya Kazan? Ilya Kazan, thank you. I just well, let me go tripping over Ilya my time. Do, I said, he named names. And she didn't name well, names. You were right. She was brought in front of the committee. Yeah. Uh, you know. And the McCarthy. Uh, McCarthy. Yeah. Well, there was a Hollywood version of that, you know. And they right. they insisted she name names. And she refused. And she lost work for a bunch of years. All and, of her and, ingenue yeah. years were lost. Right. If you and, go back to Elia Kazan, when they gave him an honorary um, Academy Award. Sure. Scorsese. You had, uh, and, Scor- and, you had Scorsese you know, up there with him and Robert De Niro. Half booed, half clapped. Right. Now, he was at a rock and a hard place because if you look at Elliot Kazan on the waterfront, James Dean, East of Eden, 
was it Baby Doll with uh, Carol Baker? You know, and oh well, fairness up. Uh, no, the, he he's undeniably changed film the film. Of course, the method. Uh, no, he 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 is one of the you know the term genius is thrown around too frequently, but he he truly was a visionary. But he also, I mean, I read again. I could reach for another book. I read his yeah. book, you know. And I was hoping there would be some sort of rationale or, you know, like we're getting into this conversation, but where he might explain his, and he just dug his heels, you know, he, and I said to Lee, I said, you know, what do you think? Because I understand there was a no, they were, people like Ilya Kazan were in a no-win position. Yeah, exactly. But you chose not to name names, talking to Lee. And yeah. you paid the consequences. Other people collaborated, or yeah, uh, you know, or or beans. and they got they could like Eli Kazan were uh, able to continue working. And if we say that they're also victims, and I can't bring my people that listen to my show probably are annoyed because I bring this up. So it's one of my. You're, you just started our conversation talking about your obsessions and your things that preoccupy yeah, you, that was like Kennedy, like Bay of yeah. Pigs, like yeah. the civil rights movement. Those yeah. things interest me too. But the 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 red, you know, the red scare is one of my big ones, and I I read a lot about it. And uh, can, I, so, can I give you a story before we? we sure. Yeah. Uh, please. Of course. Mike We're here to talk to you. Yeah. When my when Ilya Kazan was on his deathbed. Yeah. And he had a week or two to live. Michael Acton, who was the director of the Directors Guild, then chairman, he went to visit Ilya Kazan on his deathbed. Oh, my. I didn't know this. One. And uh, they were just talking about various things. And he, Michael was just trying to, you know, give him some kind words and whatever. And uh, he, he told me that story. I wonder well, if, um, do you so, think that Kazan was, was at peace did well, Michael ever say anything about that? It was different times then. It was the 50s. You see what I'm saying? You know, well, was, you, you yeah. saw, you only, you only saw 15 years after the war. So, like, you know, 45 to 55, 10 years, 12 years or whatever. It's, it's, it was all what I would call, I don't know. It was one of them things. You mentioned reds under the beds, you know, or communism in them particular days. Very sensitive issue. Very, very sensitive. Then McCarthy then pulled it up. And he thinks, let's go get these bastards. That's what he's thinking in his head. But, you know, it never materialized because people are damned if they do and they're damned if they don't. Also, when they saw where communism ended up, you know, Stalinist Russia, these types of, you know, leaders, a lot of people left the party or, you know, the party or the party changed and a lot of people were disappointed and left. So... You know, people have common sense. You know, well, uh, they have—they maybe have a different ideology than you do. But at the end of the day, and I'm not talking about these nut jobs who stormed our capital two weeks or three weeks ago. But you know, do you think the Cold War is softened now, or do you think the communist decision uh, is softened in preference to sort of like, say, even seventies or the eighties when the wall came down, or you know, have they become more unified? Or would you say there's still a distant, you know, between between trouble. the states and the and Russia? Yeah, no, yeah, the state, yeah, the east and the west. The, yeah. I I think there is a kind of a cold war, but you know, it's kind of different now. Where 
it's about you know i mean look this putin is you know he's 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 a crook he's a, just a mobster i mean he's like you know and well, I think, a, lot, a lot of people have got rich with, with the oil after it all went sort of independent and everyone sort of ran for cover and they took the money you know that's how i see it you know but um like everything else you can have it in your head but you can't say too much right yeah well but just to finish that anecdote with lee she 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 said she because i said do you forgive i mean what what do you feel like you know and she she said he did try to apologize or talk to her i should say kazan tried to you know contact her many many years ago obviously and she wouldn't talk to him but now she says she forgives him she says, you know, it's one of those classic things. I, I forgive him. I don't forget what he did, but I forgive him. And I understand I had to let when, him know. When um, Rod Steiger got the part in On the Waterfront, he took that part. You know, me, Charlie, you should have looked at that. I, I remember very well because... Right. Uh, that so- scene, as you know, is iconic. When he left the set, he had to do it and improvise on his own in the back seat of that car. Did you know that, Rod Steiger? And l- years later, he got he found out about Ilya Kazan's sympathies. What? Oh yeah, yes, of that. course, yeah. And he said if he would have known then, he wouldn't have accepted the part. That's well, what he said. that's right. And then he went back. He tried to hire. I think, if I'm not mistaken, he tried to uh, work. He wanted to work with. Uh, I'm trying to remember the uh, the circumstances. I thought maybe they, you know, Mark, they contacted Brando for another project, and he refused at that point because. Well, that's it. But I mean. But I, I I can't remember everything clearly at the moment. You know, one of my pet hates, and it, to please or offend, is when actors who are very very successful, and they get a platform, instead of accepting the award gracefully and walking off. They have to make a political statement. Yeah. Now, politics is a very emotive thing. Politics is a very sensitive thing. And if you say the wrong word, like if I mentioned, say, Trump, and you mentioned Biden, and if I Trump for Trump and champion him, and you champion for Biden, people look at me as that. Not that I do. I'm just giving quotations. You I know, know that. You're just, that I'm was just an arbitrary an example. That was just you an know, arbitrary they, example. They, they label you as a certain person or, you know, you're woke, you're racist, you know, and it's completely ballyhoo because you're entitled to an opinion, whether sure. you're a red or blue, Democrat, Republican, you know. But I say to myself, you know, when you get up on that stand and you've got that talent to express yourself on screen, and you win an Oscar, and you go up there and thank you, Mum, thank you to, to the Academy and everyone else and the agent. Just walk off the stage and say thank you. <laughs> you know, it's the greatest thing and, to do that. Thank you for the award. That I, thank you for the paycheck. Well, thank, I mean, thank the, you for the mansion. <laughs> once you get once you get that statuette, that's yeah. that's the, that's the. Uh, that's the ticket to, the to go castle. anywhere you like in Hollywood. That's the keys to the castle. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, you know. That's right. I would do. I would be grateful than that. And I've always maintained that 
other than being a Lamont Cabby where my job is affected, I won't really make many political views because people look different to you then rather than if you don't agree with their politics. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So if, if you're a Republican and I'm a Democrat, reverse it. And I said to you about this and that and that, and we could argue and people are getting killed over arguments that really they haven't got the power. Does that make sense? I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Well, it's only an opinion. If anyone's looking at this, it's only my opinion. I'm sorry if I'm offending you. I don't think so. I don't think you've offended anybody. Well, you know, this has been pretty great because I thought we were just going to probably spend a lot more time talking about the origins of how you, but anybody could kind of go, and for instance, people could go to Tony Walker, the up com, right? Correct. Which is your website. And they can read yep. all about your career. You're yep. not only are you a subject of this 60 year, close to 60 year project called the up series, yes. but you are you are an, a cab you're a cabbie but you're also an actor i've done two films over the last three years one was called night bus and the other one's called 90 minutes plus um i'm up for free adverts uh, commercials at the present time now i've done video uh, castings over the um the phone self and, um, and you know various other things i've been in you know so you if you're watching in- you should and you need a british uh like a an english uh character Here's your here's your guy. If you're watching and you want, I would hire you. You're charismatic. You're uh, super. I mean, you're you're engaging. You know, you're a warm guy and very well learned and read. Obviously, well, I think so. I mean, you yeah. know, I've got a little bit of history in my head and uh, yeah. So that, you know, all those things make good actors, I think. Well, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of things that touch the uh, emotions and the. Um, the, the, the characteristics out here, but and you've got to have experience that you've experienced all that. And um, I've had a learned life, and I've had a, a very blessed life, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, that's the way I see it. But I love New York. I love New York people. I love the hustle and bustle. And the five, six times that I've been there, they've always made me feel so welcome that. Whenever I'll come back again, they always say Tony's in town. Tony, come and have dinner. <laughs> you know, and uh, I'm it's, I'm it's only great... sorry I missed you that time that you were at the first run features office with fifty six because I I I can't I can't remember the exact way everything played out, but I can't imagine that if they had told me that you were doing press that I would have that I would have said you know anything but yes please. But I had heard you were there. Maybe you were in the office and I just passed you by. And I, who can remember? It was, it's like nine years well, ago. Seymour Wishman. Yeah. Remember Seymour? Sure. A, a, an absolute gentleman. What he did later, two minutes, and what he done. I just got to open the door for my daughter. One second. I understand, of course. Please do. I'm back. Right. And what he, what he done, you know, he, I went into the office. He gave me cups of coffee. We had a lovely chat. He gave the secretary to take me to dinner. And um, he gave me various, all them, see them videos you got there? Mm-hmm. He gave me about six of them, about 10 posters. You know, he couldn't have been more generous. And, um, you know, every time I go back to New York now, I go up to the, um, 
the offices of the first run pitchers and um, I always sort of have a conversation and shoot the breeze there. And he's always happy to see me. Oh, I'm sure. Let's hope they're there next time you go. Uh, I'm still getting my emails from the first run, so uh, they're still 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 plowing ahead. Uh, Mention me, they'll give you more. I sure will. Yeah, well, I'm friendly with her. The public, one of the publicists I still am in touch with. A couple of people that I knew really well have left a while ago, but okay, uh, yeah. But um, I have made as many trips to the UK and they have the same experience. Always felt so welcome, and everybody's been fantastic. Anytime I've ever gone to the UK, and I started going in the uh, oh, I I think the late eighties was my first trip. Really? Well, I went to New York in 25 years ago, but I'm 65 now. So whatever, what would that be? 85? years ago? 40. Yeah. Yeah. When? Yeah. You were 40? I was 40. Mm-hmm. And um, first thing I'd done, mm-hmm. we had tickets to see Phantom of the Opera. Now, you're six hours behind, yes? So all of a sudden, I go, I mean, to, Battery time Park. I go to Battery Park, I buy five T-shirts, I saw all the guys dancing and swinging around. We got on the ferry over to the Statue of Liberty. And at that time, you could go right to the very top for the crown, to the crown, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I went up there. I looked out like it was gigantic, the Hudson there. It was fantastic. Sure. I came back, went to uh, dinner. I think it was either Carnegie's. That was my first with a pastrami wine. They were that big. They call them overstuffed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, Overstuffed and we sandwich. Drinking. Then we went to Phantom of the Opera. And as I got in there, I sat in the seat and I went to sleep because the jet lag. I tried to do everything one day. So, I mean, that's after I went up the Empire State Building. I mean, I'd done everything in 10 minutes. Right. I, I walked all along Broadway looking at the shops, looking at the buildings. Looking at um, Studio City, the lights, the um, fantastic for me, you know. Sure. It was that vibrancy there, and uh, I tell you, I'll never forget that. And I, I got up the next day, I walked from Madison Avenue all the way down to Broadway to Times Square. Mm. I wanted to suck it in. I wanted to suck every street. I wanted to suck. The, the road signs, the crossings, walk, don't walk, the green lights, the red lights. You know, it was like a cauldron of streets and avenues. And me and being a London cabbie, seeing the yellow cabs and, you know, and listening to the hooters, uh-uh, you know, fantastic. The vibrancy there, you know, it was sure. great. Yeah. And... um I just wanted the humble. I just wanted like a donut and a cup of coffee. And there was like a donut stand with a cup of coffee in. I know it sounds so silly, but I was sort of like on Broadway yeah. watching the cabs go by and just taking it in, drinking a I, cup of coffee, bringing up here. Yeah, I'm you're, here you're like, you know? right. No, I can understand that. I can understand it. I even as a lifelong New Yorker, I don't lose sight of that. Of that, how. How how uh, important New York is to so many people. I I, I understand. The um, last time I came, the last time I came here, I went to the Dakota, and uh, I went into uh, the entrance where they wouldn't let me in, and I said a prayer outside for John and Yoko yeah. owner and the family. Then I went <clears throat> over to um, 
the, the park. Strawberry fields. Went to strawberry fields. I saw him, imagine. And again, I said a prayer for him there. And, uh, you know, these are the things that I always take away from America, you know. And um, I just watched, for me... And I just watched last night, finally, after a month, I think it's been out for a while, the trailer for Peter Jackson's documentary that he's doing on Let It Be. This The footage looks uh, just unbelievable of them. You know, what he did, what, what it shows is that much uh, opposing the general perception that those guys weren't getting along at the end, that they were at kind of at odds. But the film shows four very cl- good friends who were well, clearly still loved each other, even though they were, they were beginning, they were coming apart as a band, but they still had a great amount of affection. I know respect. Paul, I know Paul lost, lost a lot of his soul when John died. Yeah. It, it was really, really emotionally distraught. And uh, the two of them were like Simon and Garfunkel. I know Paul Simon sort of wrote the music and he sang the songs, but once they joined together, they're like just two two legs. They walk together. You know what I'm saying? Right. And uh, to say that Paul wasn't, you know, lost his soulmate was, you know, that he's never been the same since, I don't think. And he's songwriting. Yeah. You know, because they banced off each and other. So and it was so personal. There was no way he was going to be able to present himself publicly and succeed like you know they, they went after him when it when John Lennon died they kind of made him the fall guy for a while you know yeah but you know I mean you had Alan, was it Alan Klein in them days turning everyone's head you know Alan Klein you know what I'm on about yeah yeah and Paul McCartney had East Linda Eastman uh, yeah. his, her family fighting one and Alan Klein was fighting the other if I'm right I could be wrong I'm just giving yeah I think I'm right but um and it was a, the acrimony then, you know, it's, it, the bit of pill was in. But then time is the greatest healer. They love one another. There's no doubt about it. They love one another. Gotcha. And, they, and, and he, still, he still reflects on his voice. He still reflects on his voice being next to him. And, you know, what would John say in this moment? And he'd pick up. And um, there's a quote in Hey Jude. You know the song? Well, it- the movement well, forward and back, but the movement know. you need is on my shoulder. Yeah, and Paul McCartney often said, "We're going to write that." Shall I? And John, said, no, no, leave it in, leave that in. And even now, when I listen to that, the movement it is on your shoulder. I listen to that lyric, and I can see John and Paul nodding to one another in my head. That's the image they've created for me, you know. And that was about John Lennon's son Julian at the time. Right. So that's how much Paul McCartney must have felt right. about his dear family. And great, great, great song. I love the Beatles. Me too. Yeah. Not not the most controversial statement we can make, but I love the Beatles too. I'm supposed to uh, go with shortly, uh, but I feel like we barely scraped the surface, Tony. I don't know what to do about it, but um, I mean, you know, um, this has been for me such a treat because, as I already told you, from a very young age, I was fell in love with uh, Michael Apted and this project. And what a gift to be able to be here with you now. And, you know, I appreciate your giving me this gift in a way to be able to do something for my listeners and the people that like what I do, you know, a much smaller audience than the Up series. But I'm really 
happy that I can give them uh, this conversation. They can hear it and get to know well, you. Well, listen, I'm, I'm just a normal guy on the street. I'm no better or no worse. I just drive a long no. cab. I don't know. And I've talked to a lot of people, but I love New Yorkers. I'd love to come back. I'd you love are. an assembly where I could sit down in front of an auditorium of the Q&A we could have. We could have a family atmosphere with no inhibitions from me to you. You can say whatever you like, and I'll put you all at ease. But if I got an invitation to come back to New York, I would love to come. You made me feel so loved and welcome the last time. And I'll just always ring the bell for New Yorkers because I love them. Well, then you got to come back. I will certainly will. We'll, we'll get Thanks you on for this, this opportunity to talk to you. And uh, anyone who listens to this, I wish you all well, happiness, and God bless you all. And most of all, as Ronald Reagan would say, God bless America. Well, thank you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Tony. You got it. No, just win it for the Gipper. <laughs> One for the Gipper. One for the Gipper. All right, let's stay in touch, though, because we have a lot in common. All right, listen, nice talking to you. Same. I, I'll take, I'll doff my cap to you, and thank you very much. God bless you all. I'm going back to now watch some soccer. All right, enjoy. And you, sir. We call it soccer. We call it football, yeah. but we can take with you. Tottenham, that's my team. Right. Have a good evening. Bye-bye. And you, sir.